Hey there, it's Winston Faircloth, and welcome back to the Begin Again podcast. Well, I am having a season of remembrance, given the uncertainty and interesting times that we're living in right now. It reminds me of the six months after I was fired at 40. And so today's episode, I'm calling Six Months to Freedom. And this really is just going to be a personal reflection of mine in terms of what that season was like when 18 years of building a career comes crashing down all of a sudden. And I remember very vividly driving, walking home, packing up my office, boxing my stuff, going down seven flights of stairs because I didn't want to take the elevator going to my car and going home and just waiting for my wife to get home from work that day. And the very first thing that I said to her when she got home that day is, honey, we're going to have to sell the house. Because when you have something that you're counting on and you have so identified with and it suddenly disappears, I don't know if you're feeling, if you've been feeling these feelings over the last few weeks or not, but it's just so disoriented and it takes some time to process. I think it's not unlike the, the grieving process we've heard about before in terms of the different seasons. And as we see people show up on social media today, they're all at very different seasons. And so it's hard to connect sometimes with people because in some cases they are a couple of cycles ahead of you. And sometimes there are a couple of cycles behind you in terms of your own processing of the changes that we're going through. But in those six months after I was fired, those days and weeks that followed that were just a roller coaster of fear, I would say for me, because you have to remember this career that I had built over 18 years started literally the week of graduation from college. I remember I was sitting at the Outer Banks celebrating graduation from college, and it was quite an achievement to be the first in my family to finish four-year degree. And I had applied for a management training program with United Way, and I had not heard yet whether that I'd been accepted into that program. And one day I was, I'd gotten... Uh, noticed that I needed to um, make a phone call in off the payphone. There was, we didn't have phones in the cottages back then. So I had to go to the payphone that was down the street and I called in and they said, congratulations, you are in and our training begins in just a few weeks. And that launched this 18 year career. Now on March 15th, 20 years ago, I got the word that I was let go from that career. And as I recount in the episode Fired at 40, totally my responsibility. I I deserved to be fired, and it was a very transformative season for me when I was fired. But when you have built your whole identity and career and, and income off of one particular activity, you just, you're lost. You're lost that 18 year career. So 
I, I was very serious when I came home and told my wife, it's like as the main breadwinner for the, for the family, it's like, I had no idea how we would keep that house. And so it was like, we better start figuring out a way to, to conserve and to cut our expenses. Fortunately, my wife, she was, um, such a godsend to me during that season. And she uh, talked me off my tree, talked me off the limb, and you know, really helped me to reset myself and to rethink what I can do. And here's the thing about challenging times, especially when resources are tight. We have to really become resourceful. And so in my exit from the organization, I was able to present it in a way that uh, would allow me to start my new career. And so when the announcement was in the paper a few days later, it talked about my desire to work with the United Way system as a whole and to be a consultant. I was going to open up a consulting practice to better serve United Ways around the country. Because at this point in my career, I was very well known. I had been a strong advocate for a number of initiatives. I had been very active at the national level, both as a trainer on the audit committee, on a board level committee for the national organization, which was rare uh, for uh, someone who was a paid staff member. I was sitting there along, you know, major uh, corporations on a board level committee. I had been doing some things in terms of training and development and led number of workshops over the country and had been part of a initiative to look at maybe building some shared technology platforms across the and had been a primary spokesperson for that. So I had a lot of connections with United Ways. And so launching a consultancy to help United Ways just seemed like a very natural thing. And that's what we positioned in the in the announcement that when I was departing, but I will say there was many dark nights of the soul right after that shock wave of change that uh, was thrust upon me. I will, in all honesty, it was partially relief and partially shock <laughs> relief that uh, what had been a stressful run up to this termination was finally over. But also, uh, what in the heck am I going to do now? Because I, this is the only real career I've ever had. So you know, what do you do when you need to be resourceful? So what I ended up doing was taking an inventory of, of all the things that I had been working on and had been excited about over the past few years before this. And so, as I mentioned, I had been a trainer at the National Academy for Volunteerism. It was our national headquarters uh, training facility for young professionals. And so I'd been part of that faculty for many years, actually had redesigned the very first course that beginning professionals would take at the national level. I'd been part of a small team of professionals that were that was trained on a process that was developed in Canada that really helped um, the United Ways look at their data and look at their, we call it today key performance metrics, but we didn't really call it that then. 
But we said, okay, what's the data that really drives your organization? And let's look at that over time and then have all of us begin to say, well, what does this data really mean to us? And that process was called Can Do. And, and that process was so incredibly valuable because it leveled the playing field and built teamwork in the organization with all of everyone interpreting the data through a common lens and then building actions upon that. So that was a very rewarding season. But then the one that was really, that caught my attention was a local project that I had gotten involved in for two and a half years prior to this termination. And so in the season of becoming resourceful, it really came down to God's timing and what was of the most passion to me the thing I had been most passionately interested in and seeking in the larger marketplace. And so for the two to two and a half years before that, I had the great fortune of meeting some people from IBM. They had their global business processing outsourcing unit. They had a very significant unit in Lexington. And so this was back in the era you know, think of 25 years ago or so. This is during the era that people were beginning to consider, businesses were beginning to consider, how do we partner with other businesses to really serve our clients well? The, the term at the time was called outsourcing, and it didn't have a particularly good um, feeling about it because people were losing their jobs or, you know, being both losing their jobs in terms of being with their, their former company. But what you saw was that these specialty firms are being created that were really niching down to doing a particular task and out and becoming the best at that task. And then giving that service, not only to the company they used to work with, but a whole bunch of other companies as well. And so IBM was really a leader in this process and they were not only thinking through that process, but now offering services, particularly technology services to others and becoming that trusted advisor, that, that go-to resource in terms of particular technology needs. And they were facing their own significant challenges because this was also the era that the mainframe computer uh, was yielding to an emerging PC and cloud-based services were coming on the horizon. So they could see this and they saw, well, services is a way that we can stand out in the marketplace from a technology perspective. So getting to know those people, some of those leaders, and they were the ones that began to challenge me in my United Way role to say, hey, do you really need to be trying to do all of these things in little Lexington, Kentucky? You know, you, you when you work for a community-based nonprofit like United Way, you're here to be in the community, making community connections, getting volunteers excited about how they can make a difference, enrolling donors, uh, working with organizations to build new services and address emerging needs in the community. That's what United Way was all about. It wasn't about necessarily being a small business that has to have a mainframe computer and a database and, and uh, a, a top-notch accounting service and HR support. That's not what we all signed up to be when we were managing and leading United Ways. And so they were the ones that made me begin to think about 
how can I do more of what we love to do and what we're really in our mission to do? And how can we partner with others to do some of the things that we're not as good at and probably shouldn't spend a lot, absolutely necessary to do well, but it's not something that we have to do to fulfill our mission as long as it's done well for us. And so that began the journey two years before I left, uh, was fired, was that we started thinking that through strategically and I ended up partnering with an, a sister United Way to our north. And they said, hey, yeah, we've got excess capacity. We could help you with X, Y, and Z. And so over time, they became our IT department. Over time, they became our accounting department. Over time, they became our HR service. And it was wonderful because they had tremendous capability and capacity And yet we were small and nimble and we were able to bring a lot of creative ideas to them in terms of how to best deliver this service. So it's a great synergy between those, that partnership and that partnership of outsourcing or working with this larger sister organization to our North got the attention of others in our region. And then the other thing that was going on in this run up before being fired was I was really blessed with having Toyota's North American headquarters also in our market. And there I learned about TQM, total quality management and Kaizen and all of the incremental improvements that you can make to a process. So the combination of what IBM was teaching me with business process outsourcing and Toyota was teaching me through total quality management, I learned that you just have to get started. You don't have to have the perfect solution to, to make a difference. And that was really the attitude we had in working with our sister organization to our North. And it was so revolutionary. So many other organizations, other United ways in our region or across the country just couldn't imagine why they would give up some of these back quote, quote unquote, back office functions. And so as I started doing this inventory of, okay, you've been a trainer, You've done these can-do workshops. You've, you've been very passionate about outsourcing so that you could focus on what your mission is really all about. It started to unlock. And as I said, God's timing plus a passion began to formulate in my head. And God's, the God's timing part of this story is that uh, my, the sister organization to our north who had begun doing this work started talking to a peer organization to their North and they were thinking, wow, this could be really something powerful because maybe we could do services for each other uh, because uh, the one um, Cincinnati was very gifted and really strong in their uh, accounting and technology space. The one to the North had a tremendous, in Columbus, they were very, very good at uh, major gifts and uh, major gift development and and corporate relationships. So they had a really strong fundraising arm. So, you know, they began to do a feasibility study on maybe there's some services that we can swap with each other. And so as they were coming off of that initial feasibility study, it looked very promising and they were, they were green lighting additional work. And it was around this time that 
uh, I recognized my passion for business process outsourcing and they were coming off of a season of doing a feasibility study to explore and expand the work that I had done with our sister organization to the north. And so it just, God's timing was such that I was able to propose taking that initial feasibility study to the next level. And so I ended up structuring a consulting contract with the two entities to my north and the real benefit of that, not only was I, I had all this direct experience over the last few years being a client of such a service and being a partner in collaborating in terms of building that service and making it really useful for clients like us, but I was, I was, a, I was a neutral person. I was, I was neither an employee of either of the two peer organizations that were considering making this move. And I can't tell you how important it is to be a neutral observer at times. It's why we hire coaches. It's why we work with paid mentors is because they can bring a perspective that you, that I cannot see myself. And so the combination of that passion, all of those experiences that earlier national platform that I had in terms of having worked on a national uh, platform in terms of like a CRM type platform, that exposure I had all over the country, it was all of those things came together. I would love to say this was some sort of grand plan that I was that smart, that brilliant, that uh, mindful at the time. No. God is beautiful. He has this beautiful way of weaving together all this, these different strings of experiences in our life, all these different um, connections that we've made over the years. And there comes a time when you can, uh, when all of those things come together very magically and beautifully, uh, because I was getting out of the roller coaster of fear, I was re- beginning to think about my background as assets that people could benefit from. And it was something I was so passionate about because I knew that there were many other people in my former position across the country who were like, you know what, I did not sign up to run a small business. I I signed up to do the community-facing work of really moving the needle on addressing issues in our community and bringing people together around those issues. That was the magic of working for United Way for me during that season. So fast forward from that initial contract. It was amazing. Um... It was an amazing season of exploration and it was incredibly valuable to see the light bulbs turning on in people's minds when you could say to them, look, this is why you're here. This is your purpose in doing this work and we can help you with the other things that aren't part of your purpose. So on my next solo episode, I'll share part two of this six months to freedom journey from being fired at 40 to launching my first 
multi-million dollar tech business. And this is a story of being resourceful, looking at all of our life experiences in the darkest season of my life. So let's draw deeper faith, inspiration, and encouragement in our own begin again moments. If you'd like to help others, make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Remember that your honest review helps us spread the word. And when you post your review, capture a screenshot and contact us with your mailing address to the email address in the show notes. We'd love to send you a gift in the mail. And for more support and inspiration of building your own faith-centered mission-driven business, visit winstonfaircloth.com for free resources and guides that can help you begin to build your own heart-centered seven-figure business. And remember, the biggest breakthroughs in life and business occur, just like in this story, the moment you decide to begin again. I'll catch you on the next episode.